Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. And I've just realised I've not changed my backdrop. I've got cricket jerseys up there, not rugby jerseys. We'll be having to change that and do a quick set change during the show. Um, but um, uh, joining me uh, this evening, it's uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Hello? Hello, Stephen. Very good. Thank you, Paul. Privilege and a pleasure to be on the TV. Okay, cool. You are there. Hello. Um, and... <laughs> Hello. Um, and um, some of the topics we're talking about, we'll talk about, have a quick chat about player payments. Um, we'll also talk about the, the uh, some unexpected impacts of um, delaying the Rugby World Cup. That's the uh, women's version of it. Um, we'll talk about Six Nations and uh, Scotland against France um, coming up this uh, next Friday, um, amongst uh, other things. Um, but um, quickly... Uh, in the news then. So first off, um, we'll uh, just uh, have, just cover off on the uh, Six Nations results there. Um, Scotland uh, got a uh, comfortable win um, over Italy, I think, as uh, everybody um, expected in that one, 52 to 10. Ireland beat England 32 to 18. Um, and uh, France stopped Wales from getting a uh, the Grand Slam in a cracker of a game. Um, 32 to 30, meaning that the table currently stands with Wales top of the table on 20 points. Ireland currently in second place on 15. France in third place in, with uh, 15 points. Um, Scotland with 11 points. Uh, England with uh, 10 will finish in fifth. And Italy, naught points at the bottom of the table. Um, so what does that mean? Well, that means in this coming up game, if uh, France win it, they'll get on 20 points equal with them, Wales, but they'll have to win by 20, a point margin, um, to win the championship on points difference. Um, if Scotland win, well, they can climb as high as second in the table. So, uh, yes, a key game this coming Friday night, European time, or 9 a.m. Saturday morning, our time. So, uh, yep, um, key ones um, there. Um, did you catch any of the Six Nations, Stephen? Yeah, I've, I've actually caught a couple of the games. I, I actually got up and watched the Ireland um, um, Eng England game, and uh, listen, despite a, a red card um, to uh, to Ireland to Bundyaki in, in in that game, which was which was the correct decision, I've got to say. At the end of the day, if anything, it, it basically gave the Irish even more resolve than they they finished just as strongly with uh, a 14, 14 men, and that was a very very a convincing victory, we should say, and it was only really a late try, which probably gave England a, a bit of respectability, if you can actually call it, Paul. Um, respect, respect, respectability at the end of the day, but uh, listen, uh, a very good victory to the uh, to the Irish, and I've seen the uh, highlights of the Wales uh, uh, France game. Yeah, it was it went tit for tat for a while there, didn't it? Oh, cracking game uh, between um, France uh, and Wales. Uh, yep, yeah, did a um. Uh, post-match reaction to that one, which I wasn't expecting to do, but it was such a cracking game. I had to get on and uh, vent my um, uh, my, my reaction, my uh, 
all my emotions from that one. So yeah, cracking, cracking game um, there with that one. Um, and, um, um, I well, I, um, I had money. I had my three dollars on on France. Um, so um, uh, so it was 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 uh, was wanting them uh, them to win um, from that point of view. Um, the uh, I think they have been the last team. Um, I was surprised to see them get beaten by England um, and, and come through. Now, um, we're going to have a quick talk about, because, um, or, or, well, Stephen's warned me that he might go on for a long. So, I, I, folks, don't, don't, I'll be on the mute button with um, with Stephen for this one if I need to be. But um, Kurt Eklund um, has picked up three weeks for his suplex on um, uh, on Reese, uh, on, on Sevi Reese there. Um, which I think is, uh, is is fair. You can't take the player well on the, on the horizontal. That was a bit, that was very silly by Kurt Eklund, uh, and didn't get carded during the game. Um, the uh, but uh, Stephen's got some. He's uh, going to have a little rant about um, uh, uh, Reese's antics, but also I guess uh, wrapping up into that, Stephen is is Nocturnal's comment here. Fabian Gaultier accused Wales of trying to get opposition players carded um, as well. So um, I will uh, hand it over to you. <coughs> It's a it's quite a good segue, <clears throat> uh, isn't it, uh, Nocturnal's uh, uh, comments? Because uh, listen, at, at at the end of the day, I've got to say that Kurt Eklund, I think, should have got a card, whether that be a yellow or red. It's it's it, it's pretty it's it's pretty irrelevant, but he should have got a card of some sort. And I also believe uh, Severis should have got a card as well. He should have been given <clears throat> not so much a red card, but at least a yellow card. And, and my issue is, I think he played, he made sure that he was the victim just to, to get sympathy, in, in, in my opinion. And uh, listen, it, it worked absolutely perfectly um, because all of a sudden, no, no sooner than a decision had been made, they looked at the replay. Play, I, I watched uh, Severus just basically spring up as though nothing had happened. And, I'm, and, I'm, and like I say, I'm not taking anything away from the infraction of, uh, of Kurt Eklund, but I do wonder. You know, we're starting to see a lot of gamesmanship by players at the moment. Now, I don't know whether it's the players indirectly, but um, I'm pretty sure they are they are actually getting... Uh, I just seen Aaron Ranchot's comments. I'm pretty sure that they are getting advice from management to, to basically slow down and, and pull the penalty. Because, uh, listen, Patrick Tuipoloto could have also stayed down and pulled the penalty. But pe- credit to Patrick. Um, he, he actually... <clears throat> He actually basically got to his feet rel- relatively quickly. Now, sometimes I think sometimes the injury that the player gets or a non-injury pretty much pretty much determines sometimes the decision that the either the TMO or the uh, officials will make at the time. You know, if somebody's lying around really in pain and he's not going to get up, they'll, they'll probably go, "Man, this is uh, this guy has caused an injury." So. Um, you know, I, I, I just, it just irks me at the moment more than anything else. And it probably irked me even more when he uh, mimicked uh, Rico Ioani after scoring his try. So, you know, there were, to me, there was a there was a tinge of, um, shall I say, arrogance, arrogance about that. Like the weasel, like the weasel, he managed to weasel his way out of it and then basically right at the end, stick it, stick it right in the nose of uh, us Blues supporters. And I probably need to harden up and handle it, Paul. Um, look, I, I, uh, I, I quite. I mean, look, did uh, was was how many blue supporters were upset when uh, Carlos Spencer ran under the posts and then ran all the way to the sideline before touching the ball down and then put the conversion over um, against the Crusaders? Um, look, well, I, I think there was provocation on on that occasion. He certainly gets his share of. Um, <laughs> should I should I say? Uh, um, verbal direction pointed in, in his way, so I think there was a there was a lot of provocation involved. Um, but um, uh, the I think look when it's done like that, where it is just where where where, where, where he's mimicking someone else's um, uh, try scoring celebration, or where Carlos Spencer's doing that, where it's not uh, it's not provoking, as in sort of touching a player or trying to get them carded that way. I personally think it adds a little bit of character and adds a little bit of. Uh, Show a bit of theatre um, to the uh, to, to the event, um, doing doing that kind of thing. So I think the referees have got to read the room as well, in the same way that you'll see halfbacks, you know, doing their best to try and trip over the player that's trying to roll away from the ruck. 
<clears throat> or beg your pardon, they go and try and throw the ball straight into that player on, on the ground when they're past that they've thrown. has probably not even got six inches off the ground. So they're always going to hit that player player anyway. So, yeah, you know, even even that, a bit of, bit of gamesmanship and, you know, almost some of the stuff we're actually seeing is, is right out of the... Uh, Right out of the round ball playbook. Oh, look, I, whether we call it out. So there are laws um, around uh, misleading the ref or um, uh, or simulation in rugby to stop this kind of stuff. Okay, so um, and uh, whilst Sever Reese, uh, I mean, okay, from I, I was just watching the watching back the, that section of the game on uh, on TV. Now, um, from what I could see, yep, he flails his he, 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 he waves his hands in the air as he goes down. Um, and then the uh, then the medics come on, um, and uh, they're in. It goes into replay mode um, before uh, as he as he gets up and goes off to back to his seat. So you don't, I don't. I, from watching on the screen, I couldn't see how easily he bounced back up or um, or recovered. To be honest, um, so I can't really comment on how injured or how much he was having it up. Um, but we do have this whole simulation. This whole. Um, um, one of the uh, other um, is this whole sort of uh, like um, uh, scrum halves at the back waving their arms in the air um, saying, hey, look, look at this, look at this. Um, or other players turning to the, um, the, the the assistant referee saying, hey, did you see that? Um, all of that stuff I would like to um, uh, to, to get uh, to, to, to be shut up, to be honest. I think players should be told, look, stop talking to the um the referees and all that kind of stuff. Now, nocturnal rights says nip simulation in the head. Now, I'm sorry, sorry, nip, nip, nip simulation in the bud, not in the head. Um, <laughs> sorry, that horse is bolted. All right. If you look at someone like Johnny Sexton um, in uh, in the Six Nations over, over the last couple of years, uh, whenever he gets a hit that's slightly late, uh, he'll be waving his arms in the air. Um, the uh, so. Um, I think this, 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 this. Uh, the I mean, another one that we that I saw a lot over the weekend is um, scrum halves are not supposed to be able to dummy um, that they're taking the ball out of a ruck or a maul, um, but you see them doing that all the time to try and get players to jump offside. Uh, that again isn't supposed to be allowed, um, but uh, is but, but goes on. So the, the the genie is well and truly out of the bottle as far as the simulation goes. It would take a big big crackdown um, to stop it. Paul, um, Paul, um, yep. Paul, it's fair to say some players <clears throat> will basically use simulation more more than others will. Uh, that's that's definitely we're actually uh, starting to see a pattern at 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 this point in time. I mean, so I know during that game, Ortega Black was hit. Now, it may have been perceived as a fair tackle, but you know he could have he could have basically stayed down and and based, and enforced the decision between the, the the two officials at the time but fair play to him he actually he got up i looked back at it and you know the player was the player was committed but in reality he'd still released the ball and he got hit look and you, you mentioned the round ball code and look there, there are players in the round ball code who don't simulate as well um it, it, there's uh, generally it's generally more the forwards than the backs and, I, and i mean look i've not watched the round ball code with uh in, in any kind of quantity for quite a few years now, but um, but from my memory, yeah, there are certain players generally the forwards who will roll around, whereas the backs generally don't. In that, or the defenders generally don't. Um, and again, you're going to get something probably fairly similar in the uh, in, in rugby. In fact, the forwards are going to be less likely to uh, do the simulation than the than the backs are because they're involved in lots more of the physical physicality stuff. There's much more of a manly and a, a macho kind of image. Around being a forward than there is about being a back. So, um, yes, look, should should Severi stay down if he's not injured? No, he shouldn't. Um, uh, was he doing anything different, waving his hands in the air when he got uh, got got suplexed? Nah, sorry, lots of lots of other players do that. Um, is 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 Reese heading down the route of being a um, a marmite player that a lot of people are going to dislike? Absolutely, yes, he is. He's a bit of an he's an arrogant winger who scores tries. Um, so yes, he's uh, he he's going to cause that kind of reaction from players. Um, but um, as I say, I couldn't uh, from the, from the TV shots anyway. I couldn't see what happened when he got back up after the uh, after the medical. But um, yeah, it's, uh, as far as throwing hands in the air, that's that's much of what other other players do. Paul, I just want to also uh, clarify something after chatting to a, a, a referee. 
it was a train of thought at the kickoffs that uh, the Crusaders seemed to have players in front of the actual catcher. Um, you would have probably seen that three or four times at the kickoff where the uh, chasing winger uh, basically had to almost circle round to get to the player. Um, listen, they are, are quite within their rights to actually do that as long as nobody changes lane in the same lane that a player player is running. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, we might think it's a, it's a form of cheating, but at the end of the day, um, man, some other teams should basically look at that and use exactly that same <clears throat> that same tactic to pro- to protect the uh, person catching catching the ball. But once again, oh, it, it, there is a, 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 a form of obstruction, but uh, like like the uh, official who I spoke to told me, as long as they're not changing lanes, they're not doing anything wrong. And it's look, it's something that, that teams have been doing for a couple of few years now, and it comes down to you only have 16, uh, 15 players not 16. Um, 15 might feel like the opposition's got 16 players sometimes. Um, but no, you're only allowed 15 players um, on the pitch. Um, and so so you, you can't cover every single eventuality. Um, so if, if you are going to kick, pardon me, to where the opposition have got players um, protecting the ball carrier, then look, that's your choice to kick there. You, you, can, you can choose to kick to other parts of the field, right? You don't have to kick to that player. So... Um, the uh, yeah you have you have you have your choices you have your options at kick it, uh, where you want to kick um, for that um, for, for, for that for, for that to happen. Um, uh, you'll um, notice we haven't gone through the results of the Super Rugby games. Uh, if you want to have a full roundup of that action, we did our Super Rugby review show on Sunday evening, so go back and check um, that out. Obviously, it's out as a podcast, or you can watch the video on YouTube, Twitter, uh, and um, Facebook. Um, so. Um, just while you're uh, um, getting a, your, your voice back there, Stephen, um, any final things you want to say about this, or, should, or, or can we move on? No, I think I think we can pretty much move on. Just really, cool. more than anything else, wanted, wanted to wanted to put out there, and if we've got any feedback about it, then, then so be it. As you have oh, the there's, uh, the, uh, there's clearly some feedback in there that uh, that people don't um, like it. What I what I find a little bit um, uh, I can't a little bit kind of amusing is how um, kind of uh, punching or taking a knee by foot by props um, to give everyone a rest before a scrum is all considered kind of kind of acceptable stuff, acceptable cheating. Um, whereas other other cheating is considered non-acceptable cheating, um, which is uh, so. Yes, rugby is a game that encourages cheating, folks. Um, it's just a matter of um, what we consider to be acceptable and not acceptable, uh, really. Um, around this. Um, Keeping with Super Rugby then, uh, and it was interesting that um, the uh, Hurricanes uh, chief executive, uh, Avon Lee, um, came out um, and uh, talked about something that uh, basically the Super Rugby franchises have deliberately not talked about and uh, kept as a kind of quiet, non-secret, um, is around player, third-party player agreements. And I think the last time that I heard this being mentioned was probably when Benji Marshall um, came over and he there was there was a third they were, they were quite clear that there was third party um, agreements in that one um, but uh, uh, he mentions that there's third party player agreements for Bowden Barrett um, and also Roger Tuiofshek as well um, uh, and um, he uh, um, uh, what was going to say he uh, it, it says look the all the franchises do do this but it's not what Super Rugby was really um, built upon, um, and some player agreements can apparently increase salaries by as much as uh, two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. In this one, um, so um, what are you, what are your thoughts on this, Stephen? Do you think um, that player agreements should be allowed, or do you think we should there should be some sort of uh, salary cap amongst the Super Rugby sides? Yeah, Paul, I'll, I'll probably get to the root of the <clears throat> the root of the conversation. I, I think he can probably see the writing in the wall that you've got. A squad like the Crusaders, who, who are naturally already very strong across the board, stacked full of All Blacks, then he's probably seeing a team like the Blues, one of their former former stars, locked in on a sabbatical at the moment, and then all of a sudden they're getting one of a, they're getting uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek um, from rugby league, you know, one of the best players in the in the thirty man code, and he probably looks at his his own squad he's got going at the moment, 
And I sense there's probably a, a, a bit of frustration. I think that's probably the, 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 the root of the, of the cause in terms of where his comments have come from. But I, I do have some sympathy because, you know, when you want a competition, you, you want it relatively even across the board. I suppose that's what works in the, in the NRL. They've got a salary cap. Yes, there's talk of third-party payments, especially when it comes to the Melbourne, Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters. Funnily enough, we're always there or thereabouts excuse me, come the, come the finals time. But on, on saying that, you know, it'd be good it'd be good to have a spread of 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 of, of players either in a in a in a, a loan a loan situation, especially if a team like the Hurricanes has a lot of injuries. I mean it's I can remember this ridiculous situation probably about uh, might have been under John Kerwin's watch <clears throat> where the Blues had so many injuries, I think they ended up Basically, pulling in guys from their development squad, and um, well, you only have to talk to <laughs> probably Chiefs supporters are probably saying, "Hey, what about us?" I can remember when the Chiefs probably <clears throat> had almost a whole forward pack injured at the time. So, yeah, I, I can actually see how it wrinkles with uh, Evan Lee. Now, it's, it's also kind of interesting that he says, "Look, it's it's a it's a fact of life for the Hurricanes and the other four um, in their contract discussions. Now, um, Aaron makes a good point. It is the, the it, it, part of it is the arts of, um, negotiation. Um, the, um, but, um, it's, uh, so I'd be interested to say how many players are on these <laughs> are being topped up by sponsors. Um, if he says, look, it's part of it, it's, 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 it's just a fact of, it's a fact of life that we all do. And we, we've all got them. Wow. Um, that, that, that'd be, that'd be interesting. Um, uh, he also makes a good the point. Look, if if we were to put some restrictions on these, look, this is this is how we keep um, all blacks in New Zealand. Um, so whilst it's all whilst we'll hear, oh, he gets he's get paid X amount by New Zealand rugby. Yes, what they're going to what they've been what you don't hear about is this extra two hundred fifty k or up to two hundred fifty k he's getting from somewhere else. So yeah, interesting, isn't it there on that one? Yeah, oh, very much so, Paul. You know, look look at the situation at the um, <clears throat> at the Blues and the. You know, the, the, the first area of concern, if you were looking down that path, is, is the number of all black props that they have at the minute, four, four black props. And yet you, you, you kind of look around um, some of the other franchises and they're very thin on the ground. So should we be surprised when you when you see the, the Highlanders pack getting pushed around at a rate of knots or the Chiefs pack getting pushed around and by a rate of knots at the Crusaders when you've got that sort of... <clears throat> When you've got that sort of uh, ad- advantage in your tight five, um, is it, is it good for the game? I don't really know. I don't really know if it is, Paul. No, I mean, and, and whilst Aaron said, look, it's, it, it, it's the art of negotiation. It is partially that, but um, one of the um, uh, I- um, irrefutable facts is that Auckland uh, or the Blues, um, their cap, their, their market is um, uh, well around about a quarter of the population of New Zealand. The Highlanders' market is a lot smaller. Um, therefore, the, the 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 player agreements or the money they can get from businesses into those player agreements is going to be less um, at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, so yes, there is an element of, of, of trying to keep it fair between the big and the smaller markets. Um, Nocturnal Rights says, yeah, um, I'll, um, I'd like more even squads, but teams should be rewarded for developing talent within the squad within the squad. Well, I'm not sure you could necessarily say that all four. Of those All Blacks props have been developed by the Blues. Um, I can I can argue that actually none of them have. Um, <laughs> and that, um, but maybe um, offer, maybe offer, <laughs> maybe offer. But the other ones have yet yeah, have, have well, came through. I mean, now that the Blues are setting up their academy systems or, or, or more coaching links with the um, with the franchises in their regions, so the Blues, um, Auckland, Harbour, and, um, and Northland, uh, look. Then yes, there's there's more an argument that they, that that over the next ten years or five to ten years they will be developing their own talent rather than just taking it from what the um, uh, provinces have produced for them. Um, so yeah, it's uh, but I mean, one of these things. If that's where people want to live, that's the team they're going to play for. Why did Lomax move from the uh, the Highlanders to the Hurricanes? He didn't move um, because he's going to get paid much more money. He moved because uh, I think that's where his partner and where he wanted to live. Um, so, the so what some of these people are saying do should 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 should, um, should, like, should, should certain signings be blocked? Uh, look, if the player wants to live there, look, it's player's choice, right? Oh, I, I, I agree with that. At the end of the day, in the, in the case of uh, 
of uh, uh, Terrell Lomax. I, I know for a fact uh, that um, basically uh, uh, Foster and, and, and Hanson basically had a meeting with him and told him, what, do you want to want to be an All Black? Um, because they were, you know, through, uh, I think Scott, might have been Scott Robertson at the time. No, I beg your pardon, I forget the name of the guy who coached the New Zealand under-20s before Scott Robertson or just after Scott Robertson. But um, he saw a young Tyrone Lomax playing for the Australian under-20s and that's where they did a bit of research, found out that uh, he was the son of former New Zealand Kiwi, John Lomax. And they thought, man, why, why is this kid playing for Australia? He wasn't born in Australia. He just went to school in Australia. I think originally the plan was for Ty- Tyrell Lomax was to play rugby league like his, like his dad. But... Um, a bit of an intervention, and uh, of course he ends up back here uh, playing playing rugby. So um, yeah, it's it, it, it's a real interesting one. I mean, so the Blues once upon upon a time weren't an attractive proposition, Paul, and that was only what uh, three or four three or four seasons ago. Nobody wanted nobody wanted to come to the Blues, but I I just suspect at the moment I think uh, um, a lot of players around the country can see a lot of good things happening. Things to change. Yeah, and it says all the Blues props are the Auckland region, well, or the, the Blues region. Um, look, um, if you, but uh, if you look at someone like Carlton Twenacafe, uh, he got his break with with the Chiefs, and if he hadn't been successful with the Chiefs and the All Blacks, I'm not sure the Blues would be interested in him. Um, to be to be to be blunt, so um, so yes, he is from a the, the Blues capture area, uh, as it were, but they weren't interested in him. Uh, he had to go. Through, he went. Through, he was uh, as an injury replacement for the Chiefs. And that's how he got his break. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure the Blues have necessarily been good previously at talent identification in their area. Um, Paul, Paul, I, Paul, I was going to say, how interesting, how super rugby, you know, we, we often talk about this wonderful, exciting, open rugby we see. But right here, right now, how important is it to have a battery of props in, 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 your, in your squad that you can roll off the bench at the, what, 56, 60 minute mark, and still have a dominant, dominant scrum going into that that, that last quarter of the game. Oh, absolutely! I mean, in, in South Africa uh, and, and their World Cup winning side, how was that? How was that built? That was built around the fact that they, they had a six-two bench and would replace six of their forwards, um, and the and and their forward and their pack wouldn't deteriorate. Basically, you have the same level all the way through. Um, so yes, having uh, and, and especially props. Uh, and let's be honest, uh, at club level, the number. It's again, it's it's one of these things where it's a numbers game, right? If you have uh, lots, if you if you've got a thousand people to pick from, or a hundred people uh, rather than a hundred, you're going to have better better quality. Now uh, we know that clubs struggle for props, um, so there's less props out there. Um, so the quality, what? So there's going to be fewer quality props out there at the end of the day. Whereas um, other positions where um, players perhaps go for longer, or it isn't as attritional. Um, then the the pool of talent is, or the, the, the of uh, is is bigger, and therefore, just by the law of averages, you're going to have better, you're going to have more good players to pick from. Um, so yeah, get, getting getting good uh, good props. I mean, it does two things, right? One, it means your players get to be, uh, you, you you don't see a drop off in your team, but also it means that the the good props, if they haven't got a replacement, they have to play more minutes and so they get more tired for the next game and that just adds on through the season and you're more likely to get injured if you get uh, play more money play play more minutes um so where's the player going to go he's going to go and say um I, look as a as a center if there's two good centers ahead of you would you go and sign for a comp for would, would you change um franchises maybe as a prop you know you're going to get 20 30 minutes anyway every game because they all get replaced. So why not go somewhere where there is another good prop means you can share the duties means there's less wear and tear on you. It means you you get less injuries. That's all good. As far as I can tell from a props point of view, other positions you might think about moving. So, so, so I guess in summary, Paul, we have, we have got a bit of sympathy for, for Avon Lee and, and his, and, and, and his thoughts. Absolutely, it would be nice to have even an even, uh, even sort of talent. I guess a number of things there. One is yes, we need to keep all blacks in New Zealand. Two, you can't force players to play in places where they don't want to play and don't want to live. So you know you've got to allow that freedom of movement. Um, it is a uh, profession, a professional um, sport. Um, 
Nocturnal Rights says, um, yeah, but more wear and tear for everyone else if you've got the good good, good props. Absolutely. But, hey, you got to look after number one <laughs> at the end of the day. As a prop, you're not going to go, oh, I'll go down to the Highlanders because that'll make sure everyone else doesn't get hurt as much. No, you're going to stay where you are looked after and where the best plate, best opportunities for you are. Yeah, uh, and, and, and the thing with the, the, the team like the Crusaders, if you sort of, even they've got uh, some international front rowers, of course, Moody, Alan Latour, who's played for, for Samoa, and of course, let's not forget George Bauer has, has also uh, has also played for um, played for the All Blacks as well. And you know, and in the backdrop there, you've got Oli Jaeger, and um, you've got the young guy, is it Fletcher Newell, I think his name is, who, who's highly highly rated as as well. So he's coming through really really nicely. And of course, uh, well, Cody Taylor, I don't know if there's a better player running around in Super Rugby at the moment. <laughs> No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, he's he's um, he is he's absolutely he's absolutely cracking. Um, so yes, um, so that's what's going on in um, Super Rugby, folks. Uh, look, with the, um, the the delay of the twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one Rugby World Cup to twenty twenty two, one of the things we obviously talked about on previous shows is where's all the planning for the for the Black Ferns? Um, did they communicate well? All that kind of stuff. We've done that one. We've done that one already. One of the things that didn't come up at the time, um, which I found interesting uh, to, to read this week, um, when uh, seeing an interview or an article um, after talking with the Glenn Moore, the um, uh, the Black Ferns uh, cap, uh, coach, um, was that um, basically that sure there are certain players who may uh, who were thinking of retiring after the World Cup. Will they want to push it another year? But also he makes this point: um, all of us have different contracts and different timeframes. Mine is no different. Mine went through to the to the World Cup, so suddenly you've got all these coaches who had had all these coach all, all these organisations had all these coaching contracts up to the Rugby World Cup um, with a set date. Do they extend those for another year? Have those coaches already signed other jobs? Um, yeah, you, you've got to that, that um, this delaying thing is is a, it, it, it is is a lot more complicated than than on the than on the surface, isn't it, Stephen? Very much so. I mean to say, and, and I suppose the war, the worrying thing, you know, usually in, in, in situations like that, you usually hear, "Is there a plan in place?" We're not hearing a lot at the minute. Absolutely. Yeah, well, obviously they've got the, the plan in place, Pete. But I mean, um, look, New Zealand rugby will be fine about contracting coaches for the for the, for the black firms. Will some of the smaller nations like Samoa um, or Fiji? Um, be able to extend for another year. Will their Fiji, will, will the Fijian women's um, head coach um, have a, another professional contract as an assistant coach in Europe lined up um, or in Japan uh, that he can't turn down? Will they suddenly have that coaching turmoil? Um, so yeah, there's. Um, the, 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 I, I'm not. I'm not worried about the Black Ferns. I'm pretty sure that uh, New Zealand rugby will, uh, will, will 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 have that kind of stuff um, in the bag, but. Um, for some of the other countries, some of the smaller countries, uh, there could be some that uh, they, they could come into it with a, uh, a totally brand new um, game plan, just eight or eight or twelve months out from the Rugby World Cup, which would be, um, yeah, which is obviously not not the situation you want to be in. Yeah, it it, it, it upsets a lot of planning, obviously for those smaller smaller nations, and obviously that that funding have they got the funding to stretch it out for another year? Will they thin their squads? Um, basically, how much input is going to go in? Yeah, those those are definitely concerning questions for those those uh, smaller nations, Paul. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that, folks. Um, um, about some um, uh, about about all of that. Um, Nocturnal rights asks us a question. He um, uh, says that um, uh, also about Bauer. Uh, when he was with the All Blacks, he was told to bulk up from 111 to 118 kgs. In the time he was there, is that really a good thing? Um, no. Well, look, trying to bulk up that that that, that amount of weight in, pardon me, in a short period of time, is not a uh, is not a good thing. Pardon me. Let's be honest. Um, you want to gradually increase. You want to gradually increase it so that your body adapts to it and, and puts the weight on properly. Yeah. Um, so no, that's not a good thing. It's also not a good thing that the, that the you know, one of the things we've discussed. Uh, yeah, probably about a month or two ago now, is uh, is I, I believe 
the game needs to move away from being to being to to be, from being a physical challenge to being a skill challenge, um, skill based game. Personally, because at the moment, um, the uh, the way that uh, yeah, as you say, this um, arms race uh, to just be more powerful than the other players is just leading leaving leading to more and more um, damage of players, in my view. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that, Paul. Even if you look at a, a game like like basketball, um, you know that that can be quite a, a physical game. But even 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 <clears throat> even the five man code. Um, there are there are there are lots of sanctions sanctions on player. Obviously, you can be sub subbed out of the game, and, and you can be fit, well, obviously, fouled out of the game as as well. But boy, it, it doesn't detract from the skill level. Yeah, I, I, and it's look the, clearly skill is a big thing in, in rugby, um, and I'm not saying it would have totally of the um, it, it, it has got skill in it already. I'm not saying it would have totally the physical confrontation. I'm just saying it's a balance between those two. Um, that I think needs to shift slightly more to the skill side than the um, than the power side. Um, some other um, points um, in the uh, in the chat, um, and uh, Simon brings up something that um, I was going to talk about briefly as well. How good the news with the women's game um, is it that Six Nations will be starting next month? Um, well, actually, within ten days, um, which is uh, which, which is great news. What's not quite so great is we don't know where the game's going to be played. Well, when the games can be played in ten days' time? Crowds. <laughs> well, 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 crowds is is immaterial. We don't even have a kickoff time, or um, or, or yeah. are the games Saturday, Friday, Sunday, Friday? What's the kickoff time? Um, are they being played? Which grounds are they being played at? None of this information is available yet, um, which is flabbergasting. When you, it's less than two weeks away. And they can't even tell us what time the kickoff is going to be. Mm-hmm. That is just nuts. Um, and uh, yeah, um, you would never, th- th- that wouldn't happen for the Six Nations. That wouldn't happen for the Rugby Championship. You wouldn't wait till, two, till, till like the week before to tell you what time kickoff is. How can, you, how can you plan your life to watch a game if you don't know when it's going to be? Yeah. So again, bad comms by the Six Nations. It's 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 like something out of the out of the social realm, isn't it? You know, you're having a, you're having oh, we're having, we're having a social game in a couple of weekends weekends time, but I'll let you I'll let you know next week what's happening. It's got that feel to it, isn't it? it yeah, I mean, but look, these are these are these are million dollar tournaments. I mean, they're not cheap tournaments. These things. There's a lot of professional people working on these things, um, but they it, it just feels very very amateur. Um, about the organisation um, behind them. So, yeah, seriously, folks, that's very, very poor. Um, if you, um, uh, Scrum Queens um, have written about it on Twitter. Um, Alice Soper, funny enough, has also done a, a little video on Twitter about it. it, it look, it's a disgrace. Um, let's be, let's be, um, let, 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 let's be honest about it. Um, the, um, the. Uh, let's see. Um, the women's matches can be played in Ireland. Uh, look, yeah, there's this, whether it's elite or not. Uh, yeah, there's all sorts of things to get. So I understand around COVID to sort out, um, but um, that needs to be um, uh, that needs to be to, to, to be uh, to be done. Um, question from Matthew Plant. There, um, what do you think of Ireland at the moment after an average Six Nations campaign? Can we go first? Okay, I'll go first. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you, I thought you might t- take that one first, being the uh, <laughs> Six Nations, Six Nations expert. Well, okay, let, let's. I get, let, we can do a state of the nations across all of them then. Um, but um, Ireland, look, I think Ireland came into this one undercooked, um, and the longer they've gone, they've looked better and better. Um, um, Andy Farrell, um, I think, is is taking his time um, to, uh, to to figure out how to run this team. Um, the island got the same problem they've had for well past decade really um, is that if Johnny Sexton goes down who replaces him um, and there's, there's a few other positions like that where their depth is very very shallow because they just don't give other players game time um, so I think yeah I think um, with Ireland yes they are very dependent on certain players um, 
perhaps not quite as much as they were in 20 sort of um, was it 2015 when they got blitzed by Argentina in the quarterfinals, um, etc. But um, yeah, look, it's a uh, uh, it, it's it's a real problem. Um, Nocturnal Rights points out that CJ Stander is calling it quits at the age of 30. He is, um, but look, he's got family and kids in uh, in South Africa that he can't go visit because of COVID. Uh, I think if, if if it wasn't for COVID, he'd be playing a little bit longer. Um, so um, yeah, I understand why he's doing that. I wouldn't be surprised to see him turn up at a super at a uh, one of the um, pro sixteen or pro eighteen franchises in South Africa. Um, but look, it's a family decision there. Totally agree. To- totally understand why he's doing it. It's it's a, it's a strange one that once CJ Stander just kind of <clears throat> he's shown what a quality player is. And I just wondered if he if he paid the price for being a, a smaller number eight in South Africa, but obviously went went north and applied his trade and uh, was good enough to make the make the Irish side. But boy, you know, pound for pound, one of the better smaller loose forwards around in the world. Kind of reminds me of plays the game a little bit like Jordan Tofua, not a not a big uh, a, a big loose forward, but boy, just carries really hard into contact, got great work, great great over the ball, really good footballer. Um, just on Ireland, they'll probably, one game that they'll probably regret a bit, probably that very first game, losing a, getting a, a, a was it a red red card, I think, against uh, Wales, that was costly, and I also think that, that French game, where they went down 15-13, you know, probably just a, 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 they were in that contest, you know, Mark, you know, make no question, make no question about that, so just just small things, but they are one of the they are one of the teams that can hold onto the ball for very very you know who can apply pressure by holding onto the ball for very very long um, period of period of times. So they do get a little bit flustered in defence sometimes. I, I think somebody like James Lowe, who came into the side this year, probably got um, oh, probably exposed is a better word uh, to use defensively. At times as well, you know, just just little things. They're they're, all, they're they're not that far off it, Paul. They're not a bad side. Um, you know, I think England England would be far more disappointed than Ireland would. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, I guess the, the other the other point is though that look, can Sexton make it through to the next Rugby World Cup? At the beginning of the Six Nations, you would have said no. <laughs> At the end of the Six Nations, you're like, oh, maybe. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, he obviously thinks he can, and we'll see because uh, I think a lot rides on him. Um, and how they try to replace him. Paul, I was going to say one player who who hasn't dropped his standards in that in that Irish team is Robbie Henshaw, and he's mm. he's been good throughout their their whole campaign. So you know, so they've got something something to build there. Yeah, I agree with you. A bit of a concern with uh, Johnny Johnny Sexton. You know, not not a young man anymore. But you know, you got the likes of um, Connor Murray there, who's still playing some very good rugby and must be close to the the best nine in the world at the minute. Oh, wow, the big shout. Um, I, he's been dropped for um, Jamie Gibson Park quite a lot recently, um, which is obviously uh, Kiwis will know Gibson Park. Uh, but yeah, I'm not some, um, yeah, it's so uh, well, well, yeah, I think that I think they have got some problems, but I think they, they started playing better towards the end of the tournament. Um, Scotland came out the traps well um, and have faded. I think they, they really struggled with uh, missing that game against France. Um, and um, We'll uh, come back to talk about them actually in a second because remember there's another thing we'll talk about. Them. Wales, look, there's another team that has got lucky early on. Let's be blunt with those cards, but have um, but have ridden their luck and have improved. Um, uh, Aaron did ask earlier would um, um, would uh, gone blank as to the would Wayne Pivak um, have his uh, be in trouble um, with his? Um, but I say absolutely no. Pivak has saved his job by winning four out of five games. So, uh, no, he was uh, um, the, the result against France won't uh, impact his job. Obviously, he'd have liked to have won it, but yeah, no, he's he's um, he's now safe. But he came into this one in a uh, yeah, basically expecting to, with his head in the block, big time. Yeah, Wales well, Paul, really both, Paul, both um, Wales and Scotland have sort of unearthed a couple of couple of wingers. Um, I mean, as I said to you, but it may have been after one or two games of the campaign that resemmed. Could be an outside chance for that uh, Lions tour. I, I still, I still think he's an outside chance, especially even even more so if they're um, if they're actually talking about the um, the uh, Van der Merwe 
the uh, the big winger from Scotland as well. So boy, are, are those guys an outside chance, especially when you when you kind of look around at the, at the form of, of some of the other wingers in the comp. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure he's outside chance now or the favourite to, to to be to be selected. Um, <laughs> hey, look. Um, we're talking about that sort of thing. You look. I mean, Anthony Watson played really, really well um, for England. One of the few bright lights for England in this tournament, where they really have disappointed. Um, finishing fifth after winning it last year, um, you've got to say that uh, some big question marks around Eddie Jones and how he's coaching this team. He talks about how he's trying to transform the team. Um, and that this is part of what happens when you try and transform a team. But you look at it and go, well, 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 well these are there's a lot of where's the transformation? I mean, fine. I mean, Chris has gone to Japan. Um, you got a couple of new locks in, but aside from that, this is pretty much a side. This is pretty much a team that made the Rugby World Cup final. Um, so where's all this transformation stuff that he's talking about? Um, so for me, look, um, the um, you got to say that uh, that yeah, England very disappointing. Uh, I mean, talk of Eddie Jones has um, has got a, a, a England have got a breach a break contract in his in a breach a break clause in his contract, um, so they can actually get rid of him, which would be which would be wow. Okay, um, he was supposed to be going now um, with the idea that he thought he was going to be picking up the um, the Lions job, um, so he only had two years and was supposed to have left by now. The England job, um, but because he didn't win the final in in uh, Japan, he ended up getting a, a two year extension. Um, so um, yeah, you've got to say that um, uh, yeah, very disappointed by England uh, for a team that were that were World Cup finalists with pretty much the this 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 squad and just haven't moved on, uh, haven't developed the game. Uh, not helped by the fact that um, five or six players from the Saracens uh, have basically had no game time. Ahead of this Six Nations, um, you think of your Mako Vinopolas, Billy Vinopola, Itoji. You know, he started off the penalty machine at the beginning, finished finished decently in the last game though. Um, Jamie George played badly. Uh, you've got to say that um, Farrell hasn't been playing very well either. And you're talking there about basically the spine of the team. Um, so uh, Paul, look, Paul, there are some Paul, Paul, circumstances. Paul, I've got a, I've got a bit of a theory. I wonder if it's a, the fact that. You know, you, you mentioned a lot of those names and, you know, there's a lot of Saracen names from Saracens in there as well. And I think collectively when all those guys were playing together at, at, at Saracens, I mean, so they all understand each other's game. And I just think the fact that Saracens might be obviously down in that championship division of, of English rugby and, you know, some of these guys are not exactly rolling out on a Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Is, do you see that as an issue? Absolutely, it's a massive issue, and um, the so yeah, these guys have just had, had no rugby, and you'd and there are certain players. I mean, um, Billy Vinopola is one of them. He plays better when he's been playing rugby, right? He's not a gym monkey. He's not somebody that um, that does well um, from from that point of view, uh, and and can and can come from no suddenly it comes back and uh, looks like he's not been injured. He's not that kind of player. He's a player who needs game time. Um, you got to say, whereas uh, other other players, perhaps Atoji is one of those ones who's a, a better trainer from that point of view, um, and can probably deal with it better than than, than some others. But um, yeah, um, it's uh, really a problem for um, for England that uh, those players haven't had game time. The game time they're going to get now over the next couple of months is going to be substandard um, or below the level of below the level that they, that they should be playing. Um, and yeah, it's a big problem um, until Saracens come back up next season, uh, as you'd fully expect them to do. Even though they did lose to Cornish Pirates in the opening round of the uh, of the championship. I tell you, tell you what, Paul, it might be you know you, you see some of the talent that's running around in the uh, in Premiership rugby, and boy, there's a lot of there's a lot of good young kids that are putting their hand up. Uh, um, at, at the minute, there was one game there I was watching. I think Exeter Leicester. You know, good, good open, good open game. Obviously, Leicester got a card in that game, and even at Harlequins, boy, there was some, there was some good tries in the, uh, in the uh, Harlequins uh, uh, game. I think the centre, centre there, a boy to look out for is Northmore, and uh, now he came in to replace um, Joe Marchant, who was in the England playing twenty-three 
on the weekend, and the commentators were basically saying that Marching might struggle to get his place back in the uh, in, in the side after this boy, uh, uh, the way this boy Northmore played. And you know, you you watch the Premiership sometimes, and there are some good kids running around. Oh look, there, there's, there's decent players. The thing is, Eddie Jones has got a game plan he wants to play with, and some of those players just don't fit it, and hence they're not going to be part of the setup. Um, I, I mean, Simmons. The, uh, the the number eight at Exeter is, is an example of that. He is not. He's a very different player to to um, Billy Vanapola, uh, and he's not the he's not the power runner that Eddie Jones is looking for. So he's not going to be in the side. It doesn't matter how well he plays. Um, he's just not. He doesn't fit the system. Um, so yeah, no, there are good players there, but uh, but they don't necessarily fit with what Eddie Jones wants them uh, wants them to do at the end of the day. Um, quickly on Italy, look. Disappointing for them, clearly, to have lost all their games with no no losing bonus points. Um, but they have got some young players coming through, uh, and they just it's it, people will say, well, how much time do you give them? But yes, they do need time. They need a coach to stick around for more than four years. Um, when uh, if, if Conor O'Shea had stayed there, um, I think it'd be a much better situation. It's a real shame he didn't stick around, or they couldn't time up for another four years. Um, so uh, so yeah, um, but hopefully they are. Moving in a better direction. Paul, what I what I did see of Italy, there's a real willingness um, to move the ball, but just really lacking in in, in accuracy at times, and and also in their endeavour to to actually move the ball, they defensively get caught out on any sort of uh, turnover ball. Whenever they leave something on the carpet, they uh, inevitably get get punished. So they have gone away from the, from their traditional style, which was which has been using their using their forwards, so um, yeah, hopefully they can find themselves uh, rather sooner than, than than later. Or, or critics like myself will keep uh, uh, watching uh, Georgia in the uh, in the Six Nations. Um, yeah, don't Italy have a mafia to to convince um, Conor O'Shea? Yeah, that that they, <laughs> that, that that could have worked. Um, <laughs> it's good. It's very good. The um, um, France um, look. Um, uh, fantastic team um, that that's a uh, young team that's still developing uh, that unfortunately couldn't follow COVID protocols uh, and have uh, messed things up for, for, for Scotland. Um, yeah, they, but at the end of the day, the problem with Europe at the moment is all of those rugby unions are absolutely cash strapped and broke. Um, so that means they cannot afford for any of these games not to happen. And hence they can't, they can't make, um, France forfeit because it's just too expensive for the tournament and for the unions and that's why this game is going ahead next Friday put bluntly um, should France have forfeited it what forfeited it probably to be honest um, from uh, look going out for waffles or whatever that was they went out for the players went out for is is a joke um, Fabien Galtier I'm sorry but um, I understand family matters uh, and but going to see your son play rugby when you're supposed to be in a bio bubble, doesn't keep you in a bio bubble. Um, so those um, those sort of things just can't happen in this in, in this uh, new normal. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, it's interesting. Good segue into that last game, and of course, a, a, an issue for the Scottish team as as well, Paul. Um, in terms of um, in terms of uh, Sean Makefield being unavailable for for that particular game. You feel um, amazing. No, Sean Maitland being unavailable, big pardon for that game. Um, that's that's a real interesting one to me. I, listen, was he allowed to play in four of the five games, or all was he released to play all five games, or was he supposed to play all, all four? Because I'm I'm just thinking to myself, why did why why did they play him against Italy? Why didn't they they should have released him against Italy if that was the case? Yeah. Um, it, it, the so okay. So if the France game had happened in when it should have happened, then he would have been released and available because that's inside the international window. Because it's been delayed, this game now falls outside the international window. Um, and whilst initially England, initially the Premiership said, "Oh yeah, we'll be we'll release all our players, we'll release all your players," then they backtracked pretty quickly and went, "You got to pay us because it's outside the window." In the end. Um, the, uh, the the deal that's been made is that five players or enough money will be paid to allow five players to be released. Those five players um, are going to be um, Stuart Hogg, Sam Skinner, 
um, Scott Steele, uh, Alex Craig, and Chris Harris. Um, with uh, but um, not Sean Maitland. Um, so, look, this is a this is um, the, the the problem with the way that things have been in in UK um, and in France to a certain degree. Um, is that yeah the clubs and the unions just won't just don't play together nicely. Um, I was going to say this this actually might play into Scotland's hands, you know, because uh, the French they're going to need a bonus point for starters, which means they're going to have to to to, to move to move the ball around. So uh, you know, Scotland there might be an opportunity. I mean, if Scotland play a game with that's based with a bit of bit of flair themselves, so. Uh, Boy, the, the, this game has the potential to be obviously not only high scoring, but plenty of mistakes as well. Yeah, we'll have to see how how, um, how the different sort of pre pressure plays on different teams. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, um, Nocturne Rights makes the point that yeah, French politicians have been uh, have, been, have been having a go at the French team for for those breaches. Um, there of uh, the um, what I say how uh, Scotland. Obviously, stumbled against Ireland um, after having that week off. But will that game against Italy mean that they're back in form again now uh, for this game? We'll have to. Um, who knows? Um, but um, yeah, Nocturne writes these game with a close game, exciting game. Pretty much mir mirrors what you said there, Stephen. It's going to be held to scale. Yeah, high scoring um, with potential quite a few errors in it. So, oh, look, Scotland started off well, um, stumbled against Wales and Ireland, and you got to say, yeah, perhaps. Um, I don't know. Did we get ahead of ourselves after that England win, or that we win against England, or is this just another false dawn up from Scotland, which they're so good at doing? Um, yeah, it just feels like yeah, um, Groundhog Day for Scotland. Unfortunately, they just haven't quite made that step that we all would like them to do, um, even even as, as, a, as a kind of English slash neutral. Um, we, we want competition. We want good good teams playing um, in this in this tournament. Oh, listen, listen! They've got the potential, and they, and and they've got a good, good pack. You know, sometimes in the past we've seen the Scots with really, really good, uh, good backs, but not so strong, strong up front. They look like they've got their balance pretty, pretty close. And one one player that I've really, really enjoyed watching because he plays way above his body weight is Hamish Watson, the uh, oh. open side, open side flanker. God, pound for pound, if there's been a better loose forward in the. Uh, in the, in the in the Six Nations, I, um, I want to know who it is. He has been superb. Talking about players who have uh, progressed their their Lions chances, <laughs> him and Reece Zammett, yeah. two that have definitely um, done the best for that. Yeah, so I have been watching Paul. I have been watching. That's good. 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 Um, probably more than I have actually. Um, then, uh, so Matthew asks us, "What are your thoughts on a club World Club tournament involving Europe's best teams and Super Rugby's best teams?" Um. But we can't even put an international season together. You want us to try and organise a organise a game between the two top sides? You've nailed it. Look, until we have a harmonised season where both tournaments, where 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 we have the same season in Europe as we do in the Southern Hemisphere, basically it's not going to work. At the end of the day, um, you need to harmonise that, uh, and uh, there seems to be zero. Um, will particularly in Europe um, to do that uh, to me the way you have to do is say right European uh, is that so club competitions happen January um, to June and then July to December is for international competitions and so the first half of the year is club the second half of the year is international but that means moving the six nations which nobody wants to do so to my mind that's how you get an, that's how you essentially get yourself into a uh, global season um but um as, as someone who says yeah good idea kind of like yeah no room in the calendar for it exactly uh the calendar needs to change to it now europe has said that they would shorten their european champions um uh, european champions cup um to allow this to happen but let's just see what what happens but at the moment yeah i just can't see to me you need to harmonize the seasons at the moment it's just not there um, talking of that, Stephen, did you see the women, the, the World Rugby announcement a couple of weeks ago about the women's um, harmonised season? I saw a little bit about it. I didn't really fully indulge on, indulge on the article, but uh, 
it's it's great to know our our females seem to be more order, but as we we both know, I think it's probably a lot easier to structure structure than the males game. Oh, well, there's a good reason for my air quotes when I said harmonised season. Um, so <laughs> essentially, um, the, uh, the, 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 the is that dom domestic kind of uh, or, or, or regional, sorry, regional international competition must st stop by a certain date. And then again, the last half of the year will be used for this um, for this uh, um, women's 15s or women X WXV um, tournaments. Um, as the uh, uh, Scrum Queens put it, Look, this is lots of marketing around the fact of oh, we'll organise some extra games. Um, <laughs> the the idea um, that, um, uh, that 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 it, that there is a is is really a um, uh, what do you call it? Really a proper um, harmonised season is is all marketing and all fluff and smoke and mirrors. It's not true. Um, it's just some uh, some confirmed games. Um, towards the back of this, it's just some, some um, which is which is a good thing. Look, having more confirmed international games for the women's game is a good thing. Um, don't get me wrong, um, but this is being oversold for what it's actually achieving um, in this one. Um, so yeah, a, a step in the right direction, but not the three or four steps that they're trying to sell it as. Basically, um, thank you, Stephen. Any any final thoughts or? No, not at all. This is some some really interesting uh, uh, topics topics tonight. It's just uh, just a just a, to me, it's just a little bit disappointing that this France uh, uh, France Scotland game, the Scots especially, we, you, you know, you'd like to see them at full strength to give it a, a real crack. I know all those Welsh supporters will be Scottish supporters, uh, um, and and a Friday. It's not this Friday, isn't it, Paul? Is it the following Friday, or is it this Friday? Uh, so it's next Friday, um, or uh, the, or basically next uh, this this Saturday at nine a.m. New Zealand time is the uh, Scotland uh, France game, or well, France Scotland game. It's, it's in France. Um, Matthew Plant, could you not just move the rugby championship? The problem with his that is 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 that there are too many club games in Europe. You don't have a minor ten cup level for players who are non internationals to get rugby. Um, there's just not enough weekends, and if, if the Six Nations won't move. So it's not overlapping with club games, then it's just not going to work. Um, the European season, it's, the European season is the one that's broken, put bluntly, um, with only the French being able to make anything like financially viable, uh, and that means they essentially play twelve play twelve months of the year. Um, Stephen, thank you very much. I've done a bit of preaching there at the end there, um, folks. Um, this is all my opinion, obviously, um, the, uh, which is uh, clearly the opinion of New Zealand Sports Radio, as I am New Zealand Sports Radio. So, yes, it is uh, none of this kind of uh, – um, not, not, not kind of uh, – not my employer. These are my personal opinions from here. Um, <laughs> well, well, I was going to say, I was going to say, Paul, we should invite them to our rugby, rugby forum chat. Oh, my God, it's just off the scale. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> <laughs> so um thank you everybody for joining us this evening um uh, who've joined us live thank you everyone who joins us on the uh, as a podcast as well and um, don't forget folks you can support the show and the channel um at patreon.com forward slash nz sport radio um and um so do uh, what are you pointing at Stephen? oh the, yeah the, the, does it down or up i don't know <laughs> oh and i i try i, I should you're quite right I, I should have a link somewhere shouldn't i for it yes, yes you um, should do on on, 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 the, on on there so um so yes, as I said, um, patreon.com um, uh, forward slash NZ sport radio um, is uh, where you can go to um, uh, to support us. Um, so um, go ahead, do that, um, please. And uh, have a great um, week, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with some uh, league and football news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.